Okay, we're going to have two portions here. One is from Genesis 25 and then Hebrews 12. We're going to read Hebrews 12 first and then go to Genesis 25. So I'm going to read from Hebrews 12, from verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to stop here for just a second. What witnesses do we have? Hebrews 11, we read, all those who overcame, all those who overcame the trials that were placed before them while they were on earth, while they had to run their own races that they had, that God had for them, and by faith they overcame. That means they produced works unto righteousness through faith by their action. They proved that their faith is genuine and as a result of that, they overcame and they had their place in the book of faith which is Hebrews chapter 11. And the Spirit of God says, did you see all these people? Did you see all these people and much more that Hebrews 11 says? You see all of them, how they finished well, how they ran well, and what is the secret to their success? Look at that, look at that, look at that. And he says, just like that, what did they do? They laid aside all the weight and everything that came near them. They didn't let that come to them. And they kept their eyes on God Almighty. And they kept their eyes on the prize. And what God had spoken to them, they looked at that. They gave ear to that. They held on to that. And they obtained that. They reach their destination. And God says here, that's how we need to run our race. And he says, this is a race. Our life on earth, from the time we are born, to the time we end our lives, is a journey. Now within the journey, from the time we get saved, to the time we reach our destination, is a race. We are placed in a race once we get saved. We are placed in a warfare. We engage in spiritual warfare once we enter into the spiritual zone when we get saved, engaging in spiritual warfare. If you are on the devil's side, then the devil will keep on oppressing you. You have no power to fight. You have no tools to fight. There's nothing to fight because Satan is the Lord. It's like slave and master. The master will abuse the slave. That's how it is when a person is not born again and he or she is in the kingdom of darkness. But once you are born again, now you have an enemy. Even though in the slave-master relationship still there's an enemy. Now this is an enemy who does not have power over you. That's the difference. When you get saved, Satan loses his ground. Now you belong to another country. You belong to another king. You belong to a whole different land. Everything is different. Satan has no power over you. He hates you. He hated you before. Now he hates you the same way except he has no control over you. Unless you give control over to Satan. So what does he do? He engages in a battle with you. And if he is throwing a fiery dart at you, God says, as 
my citizen, I have given you the shield of faith. As my citizen, I've given you the sword of the spirit. As my citizen, I've given you the whole armor so that you can protect yourself and you can defeat the enemy. So what are we called to do? Being born again believers, we are called to live an overcoming life through the spirit of God who is living in us. So he has given us the whole armor of God and he has given us the spirit of God himself. Through Christ, we overcome. Through Christ, we do all things. Whatever we do as a born-again believer, we do everything through Christ. That's the secret. That's the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died and shed his blood on the cross, and he gave the blood to us, and we become born again, his power begins to operate in our lives. Now, whether you're going to use that power or not, it's up to you. Whether you want to live an overcoming life or a defeated life is up to you. So, the Spirit of God says, look at all the people who lived in Hebrews 11. What are all the things they faced? And how did they overcome? And they had the fruit to show. And they all ended well. So God says here, same way, you should also end. And He's encouraging the believers and cautioning the believers at the same time. You have the encouragement and you have the caution. We need to take the encouragement and take the caution that God has for us so that we end well, we run well, we receive the crown that God has for us. Now, Hebrews 11 talks about all the people who ended well. Now, Hebrews 12, God is speaking to us about certain specific people who did not end well. And what did they do that caused them to lose their crown? It's very important for us to know. It's important for us to know how to get the crown. It's important for us also to know how not to lose the crown. If you just think that, oh, it's enough for me to have to get the crown, then you're going to end up losing your crown because you didn't know how to keep yourself. You can say that, well, I know all the signs that are there. I know how to get there. I know the GPS. But if you don't know how to look at all the caution signs where it says, there's a ditch over there. And there's a hidden driveway over there. If you don't know how to see those things, you can get into a bad accident. Bible, the Bible, the Word of God has both recorded there. One is how to be successful. And two is how not to become a failure. So, in Hebrews 12, this is what the Spirit of the Lord put in my spirit to speak for this night when I was finishing with that song, Holy Spirit, be my teacher. So, we're going to continue reading, having this in mind, that I need to know how not to fall. I need to know how to overcome, and I also need to know how not to fall. So, let's just continue with that in our minds. We'll just go over here. The first example that... The Spirit of God is recorded here through the writer of Hebrews is Jesus Christ. Now you see all these people over here in Hebrews 11, the Old Testament saints. You look at them, how they all finished well. They were all given the commandment of God and they all kept their faith and they all finished well. With the commandments that were given to them, that was life for them. They lived by that. They overcame by that. And they reached their destination by that. Now, The next example, the big example, the chief example is presented here, which is Jesus Christ. He says, Jesus Christ, how did he run his race? He did not look at the worthless things. He did not look at the suffering. He did not look at whatever the enemy brought his way. Instead, he looked at the prize that was there. Look at the finish line. 
Don't look at the obstacles. That's one thing to remember. Very important. Don't look at the obstacle. Look at the finish line. And how did Jesus finish? How did he look at the finish line? And how did he not look at? Why did he look at the finish line? Why did he not look at the obstacles? Because he had faith that he would finish well. We need to have faith that we will finish well. If we have faith that we will finish well. And if we have faith that, that God has a crown for us. That all these things that are coming to pull us down, they are temporary and they are not the real thing. The real thing is what God has to offer. Then we are not going to give more weight to that which tries to pull us down. But we give more weight to that which will take us forward, which is keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Because he is the one who gave us the faith and he is the one who finishes the faith. But it is your job to keep your eyes on him. If you take your eyes off of Jesus us, then even though he's the author and the finisher of your faith, you lose contact. You're like the cell phone. The cell phone will work as long as it is receiving the reception, the signal from the tower. The moment you go into the dead zone, what happens? You're not able to communicate. Everything becomes dead. You can have a good device, but what's the point? You don't have the reception. Just like that. Jesus Christ began the good work in you. He is the finished line. He is the author. He is the end. He is the salvation, everything. But if I take my eyes off of Jesus Christ, I lose reception and I will become spiritually dead. So it is important to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, by placing our faith in Him, knowing that the more I am fixed on Jesus, the safer I will be and I will reach my destination. Now, what did he do? He despised whatever was from the enemy. Write this down. You need to learn to despise whatever comes from the pit of hell. Those who esteem Satan's tricks, those who esteem Satan's junk from Satan's junkyard will end up being a junk in Satan's junkyard. Write this down. If you esteem Satan's junk that is from a junkyard, you yourself will become Satan's junk in Satan's junkyard. But if you want to be a treasure in the hands of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you must keep your eyes on Jesus and despise everything that is from this world. That means you despise the music of this world. You despise the movies of this world. You despise the fashion of this world. You despise the way, the filthy, the the way people dress from this world. You despise everything that is from this world. Your mind should be different than the mindset of the people of this world because the mindset of the people of this world has been corrupted, blinded by the God of this world who is Lucifer. However, the minds of the people of God has been renewed and regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of heaven and earth, our eternal God, one true God, the God of holiness. So the mindset of the people of God should be holy mind, not corrupt mind. Very different. These two minds are very different. Contrary to each other. That's why the people of God, they talk different, they walk different, they look different, they dress different. Everything is different about them because they are strangers and pilgrims. doesn't mean that they have to look wacky over here. No. But they carry the dignity. They carry the spirit of God. People outside will know they have that reverence for those people who are there. They are not just like the loony outside people who are loose in their ways. No. Very different. Very different. The Bible says, don't copy the ways of this world. You don't belong to them. If you esteem the way the people of the world behave, 
and you try to copy, oh, that woman is like that, oh, that so-called star is like that, oh, so-called ad is like that, oh, so-called whoever is like that, and you try to copy how they look, oh, that fashion model looks like that. Oh, this is how people of the world talk. So I want to talk just like that. Then what will happen? You'll become just like Satan's junk in the junkyard. Because those are all Satan's junk. Satan's products. Worthless things. People have given themselves over to the dark spirits. People of God should not only not have to have anything to do with the things of the world, but despise, they should despise the things of this world. Otherwise, you'll be loving the things of this world. Don't you know, the Bible says, you adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. How clear the word of God is. If you're a friend of the world, you are an enemy of God. There's no middle ground. Your model and your hero should be God Almighty. Your standard should be the word of God, not the standard of this world. The way you look, the way you talk, the way you dress, the way you walk, the way you communicate should be like Jesus Christ, not like a prostitute that's out there. Not like a heathen that is out there. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. God has taken you out of darkness and placed you in his marvelous light. And if you still have an attraction for darkness, something is wrong. Check yourself. If you still esteem darkness, something is wrong. Repent. Check yourself. Don't esteem the things of the world. If you esteem darkness, you yourself will become dark and become darkness. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Jesus Christ, for the joy that was set before him, whatever came, he despised its shame. He despised the pain. He despised the negative things that came from the people. He despised everything that came through Satan. Everything. We as God's people must despise everything that is of the sin nature. Everything that comes from hell, we need to despise. If you don't despise it, it will have a hold on you. Don't flirt with sin. Don't flirt with sinful people. Don't, don't flirt with the products of Satan. May God speak to your heart at this hour. If you flirt with the products of Satan and the people of Satan, then you will be drawn away by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, because they are not of the Father. It will draw you away. There's a reason why God, through the angels, told Lot, his wife, and the girls, don't turn and look back. If you look back, something will happen to you. Something will happen to you that you will not enter into the promised land. You will not escape death. Yeah, you started out, you were brought out of Sodom, but if you turn back and look at Sodom, if Sodom is enticing you and you have value for Sodom, know for sure you will not make it to heaven. Know for sure you will not make it to heaven. Lot's wife didn't, neither will you. If you turn back and look, if Sodom has a pull over your life, something is wrong. You need to work on that. Get rid of that. 
run from Egypt, run from Sodom, run from sin, run from sinful people. Don't live a double life. See how those who finished well, finished well. Also see how those who didn't finish well, didn't finish well, and make sure you finish well. Don't fall with those who have fallen. May God speak to our hearts at this hour. Now, let's go to verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. So what are the things that we will face as believers? We will face hostility. We will face persecution. We will face pain. We will face all these things. But how did Jesus overcome? He endured He who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. That means if you don't endure to the end, you will not be saved. You will fall away. You need to endure till the end. Jesus endured till the end. All those in Hebrews 11 endured till the end. You must endure till the end. Hostility will come. Persecution will come. Pain will come. Trials will come. But the house that is built on the rock is bound to stand. Where is your foundation? Where is your foundation? What has your life been built on? What is your foundation? Made up of. God is speaking to your heart at this hour. Let's continue reading. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have not forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Not be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. Only the parents who really care for their children will call and discipline their children. Will call and tell them when they are wrong that they are wrong. And God says, don't despise chastening God will chasten when you go wrong God will chasten you don't despise the chastening of the Lord when you're rebuked don't get discouraged because these are the ways that the enemy will try to take a person down you know why because they're short-sighted people they're not seeing that oh I'm being rebuked because I need to go forward this is out of a good heart God is doing because he cares for me he does not want me to perish When I'm wrong, I need to be told that I'm wrong so that I don't stay wrong. God corrects us out of His love. A parent who don't care for their children will leave them to their own folly. But God is not like that. God is the best parent. He will chasten us. Every single time we go wrong, He will chasten us. And when we say we don't want God, He will let us go also. He will never hold the person beyond their will. That's when most people, most believers who have rejected God, rejected the blood of the Son of God, find themselves in the eternal lake of fire. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not chasten? God is very clear in His word. Which father, a good father, will not chasten the child? If it's a good father. But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. You really don't belong to that father. The father is not correcting. Because he doesn't care. If you really care, if that is your own, you don't want them. 
to grow up unruly. You don't want them to grow up eating whatever, living their lives whichever way. Those who care. God is speaking to our hearts today. Parents who really care for their children will invest their time, will discipline them, will chasten them, will instruct them. And children who are wise enough will listen to the instruction chastening and take it with humility so that they can live and they, those are the ones who will live. Rebellious children will fall away because of pride. That's Lucifer's trait. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Very important. The fathers who correct us are given by God to correct us so that we don't fall away. And honor and respect is due to them. It is very important to give respect to the fathers who correct the children. For they... Indeed, for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, for a prophet, that we may be partakers of his holiness. So the human father chastens his son or his daughter for a short time, as long as he can, to keep them in, in line, so that they grow up wise, so that they don't go in the wrong path, so that they don't do foolish things. But God, our Father, when He is chastening us, it is for eternal blessings. It is for us to be partakers of His eternal glory. It's not for a limited time. It's for ever and ever and ever. The blessing is going to be forever and ever and ever. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward, it yields, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I would underline the word trained. When someone is chastened, they're not too happy about it. But you know what? When they still give themselves to the training, they say, I want to be corrected. I should be corrected. Lord, I give myself to the correction of the Lord God Almighty. Similarly, a child, a wise child, the Bible says, quickly obeys. Gives himself or herself to the training because correction is training. When you go wrong, you're corrected. You go in the right way. Every time you're corrected, you're being perfected. Those who are proud will never want to be corrected. Those are the ones who will always have a life full of blunders and mistakes and never prosper. Because pride, the trait of Lucifer, has destroyed them. But those who are humble will be the ones who will receive correction. They give themselves to training. It's very important. You cannot be trained unless you yield yourself to training. A child that rebels when the parents are correcting will be a child that will ultimately be destroyed because of pride and rebellion. But a child that yields itself to that training through to the correction of the parents will become a productive citizen. Will also raise their children in the same way because they knew I benefited from the correction that my parents corrected me with. Otherwise I would have gone astray. The Bible says, David said this, Before... I was corrected. Before I was chastened, I went astray. But now, I've learned the commandments. It's very important. Chastening is very important. God chastens those whom He loves. But when that chastening comes, you either rebel or you give yourself over to that training. You see it as a training. How you look at everything that God gives to you is very important. 
To those who look at things in a crooked way, everything will look crooked. They'll say, oh, I don't like it because they don't like me. That's what they're saying and, and this is not it and, uh, and I know better than them and all kinds of things to their own destruction. But when you see that, God has placed spiritual authority over me. And this is my own blessing. When I'm being told, when I'm being told about something, this is to train me to become more like Jesus. Then I'm going to become wiser and wiser and wiser. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. So, so that what is lame may be may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. What is God saying over here? This is how you strengthen. The hands which hang down and the feeble knees. That means that which is weak. The hands and knees that are weak needs to be strengthened. How do you strengthen? Give yourself over to humility and do what God would tell you to do. Through whatever means God has. God is speaking to our hearts today. Giving ourselves to humility is the first and foremost thing. When we think that we know everything, let me tell you, we become a big fat zero at that point. People who are unable to learn are people who are full of themselves. People who don't want to be told are people who will end up being fools because they've rejected wisdom. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Whose job is that? It's not the Holy Spirit's job. It's not God the Father's job. It's not Jesus Christ's job. It's not anyone's job. It's your job. It's not your pastor's job. It's your job. You need to straighten out that which you need to straighten out in your life so that you can walk properly. Get rid of the things that you need to get rid of. Lay aside every hindrance, every weight that so easily tries to pull you down. If you need to make your path straight and make path for your feet, you must do that. You need to do that. So that that which is weak and hanging may not be dislocated. Don't break what which is broken further. It may become irreparable. God is speaking to your hearts today. If you know that you are already weak, remember, you need to do everything you need to do in order to strengthen yourself. Place yourself where God's word is. Don't just simply come and sit and say, okay, I'm hearing. Be a doer of the word. Make every effort to do God's word. Make every effort to be in the presence of God. Don't neglect the presence of God. Do everything you need to do to be in the presence of God and... Whatever God is speaking in His presence, make sure you take notes. Make sure you look at your notes. Make sure you apply your notes. Otherwise, you will just run, walk around like an encyclopedia or a dictionary or a commentary. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness and peace, they go together. Holiness and peace, they go together. They are linked together. Just like humility and faith, obedience and faith. Holiness and peace go together. Nobody can say, I'm so holy and not have peace. Need to have both together. So, you must pursue peace. No matter who tries to do what, you should be a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemaker for they shall be called the sons of God. It's important. Gossiping about other people is something very bad. Be a peacemaker. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And without holiness, no one will see the Lord. No one will see the Lord. After we die, if we don't have holiness on earth, you will not see the Lord. So no one should think that, well, we're all imperfect people and somehow when we die, we'll somehow land in heaven. No, we will not. We get perfected here on earth every day. We need to give ourselves to perfection. Giving ourselves to the correction of God is giving ourselves to God perfecting us. It's very important. We can't say, Lord, perfect me, perfect me, perfect me. And when God comes to correct us, oh, we get offended. There's no room to grow in the lives of such people. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short, this is where you have to pay attention. What do you need to do, what do you think you should do in order to keep yourself from falling? Your word keeps my feet from falling. How? Passages like these expose the weakness and the sins and the errors of people who fell so that we don't fall into the trap. Very important. Look at verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Oh, Fall short of the grace of God. Underline that. Write that. If you have to frame it and put it, do it. Don't fall short of the grace of God. The grace of God that God has given to us, we need to be people who make use of it. If we don't make use of it, we will fall short of it. No matter how much God's grace overflows. It's like the waterfalls. It's like the rain. You don't go stand under no matter how it is. You just wear a raincoat and go stand over there. You won't get wet at all. People who are filled with pride, no matter how long they're in the presence of God, will be untouched by the Spirit of God. Because they have a covering of pride head to toe. If you're full of yourself, then God cannot fill you. Only those who are empty in the presence of God. And realize that, Lord, without you I'm nothing. Even when I have you, I know that I'm empty. It's only it's you who is filling me. There's nothing to boast. There's nothing to boast about one's own self. God is speaking to our hearts today. Lest, let's go to verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. How did many become defiled? Write this down. If you allow bitterness to come into your life. Oh, he did this, she did this, they did this. So what? People do all kinds of things all the time. When we have an understanding that we're nothing, whatever anyone does will not offend you at all. Give them into the hands of the Lord and keep moving. Don't let bitterness come into your spirit. Because bitterness is a root. That root will grow. The more you think and think and think of what that person did to you, the more the root will grow deep. It'll grow deep. So there are things that God is telling His people, be careful, don't let that happen to you. He says, don't fall short of the grace of God. Don't fall short of the grace of God. Don't misuse the grace of God. Don't let bitterness come to you. Because of this, many people get defiled. If you get defiled, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God with the defilement. Don't take bitterness lightly. Or don't say, oh, somehow God will deliver me from bitterness and keep being bitter. If you're bitter, 
And if you die in your bitterness, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. No matter how long you've been in church, no matter how many meetings you attended, no matter how many services you were in, no matter how long you would have prayed, no matter how long you would have ministered, no matter how long or how long you might have tithed or even given your whole wealth to the kingdom of God, net result will be zero. Remember, remember. Bitterness is an evil root. Don't let it land into your heart. Don't let it grow in your spirit. Check your heart and uproot any bitterness that is there. You should do it. It is your job not to let it land. And whatever is there, you should uproot it. Otherwise, you'll be deceiving yourself. Playing church. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. Who are the people who will fall short of the grace of God? Those who let bitterness to come into their lives. Those who let immorality to come into their lives. If immorality comes into the life of a person, be it in physical form or in mental form, immorality is immorality. Fornication can be physically done. Fornication can be done mentally. Fornication is fornication. Adultery is adultery. Remember that. If you are the temple of God, and if you think that you have the mind of Christ, be very careful. If you think that you are a born again believer, be careful with your mind. Be careful with your soul. soul. Be careful with your spirit. Be careful with your body. Be very careful. Don't be a fornicator or a profane person like Esau. What did Esau do? What kind of... uh, Sinful life that Esau lived. Well, Esau was a grandson of Abraham. Came from the line of a man who had a covenant with God. A friend of God. The grandson of a friend of God lost everything. And God brings his life to show the church. Don't be like this grandson of Abraham. What a warning. Should be heeded or not. Is it okay to just look at it and just walk away as if we never saw the scripture ever before? God is speaking to our hearts. Bitterness should not be there. Immorality should not be there. Greed should not be there. Lust should not be there. Jealousy should not be there. Carelessness should not be there. Lack of faith should not be there. All these are in this scripture. May God help us. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. One morsel of food, what did he do? He sold his birthright. What did Esau do? For temporary pleasure, sold something eternal. Esau sold his eternal blessing for temporary fulfillment. Check yourself. Are you like that? Are you like that? For temporary gain? Are you selling Jesus Christ? Are you telling Satan, I'll partner with you. I'll lust here. I'll lie here. I'll be proud here. I'll be bitter here. And then I can repent. This verse is a warning to the church of God because this man cried after that, but he did not have the grace of God because it was removed from him. Don't fall short of the grace of God and God is giving this example right here. Grandson of Abraham. 
That's why Jesus said, Many from the east and from the west will come and sit here. But the children of Abraham will be cast away. Why? They fell short of the grace of God. Make sure you don't fall short of the grace of God. Because of root of bitterness. Because of uncleanness. Covetousness. Lewdness. May God speak to our hearts at this hour. For one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Oh, are we reading the Bible? Is it the truth? This is New King James Version. Check every version and see what it says. Don't go to commentary, by the way. Read the word for what it is. You need the Spirit of God to illuminate the Word of God to you. This man, grandson of Abraham, grandson of Abraham, who was given the birthright, sold his birthright, deliberately sold his birthright, in exchange for something temporary, because his eyes went after that which was temporary. Because of that, what happened, he made a presumptuous choice of selling his birthright. You know how costly that birthright is? It's a birthright given by God to the firstborn. He said, forget about this. I don't need this because I want food. If you give yourself to appetite, whatever appetite that may be, physical appetite, sexual appetite, whatever that may be, and despise the Spirit of God, despise the presence of God, despise the covenant you made with God, you may very well end up like Esau. Crying and crying and crying, Oh God, help me. Oh God, do you know that Judas is like that in hell? Tormented by what he did, but he can never come out of that place. Because he made the choice. Willingly, deliberately, presumptuously, he made that choice. To betray the innocent one, not one day. Not two days, several days he planned and did. He sought the blessing with repentance. What happened? There was no grace given to him. No grace to repent, no grace to come back. To get the birthright, no. No grace to get the blessing. He forfeited it. Don't fall short of the grace of God like Esau did. He was rejected. Why? Because he despised the blessing of God. He despised what God gave to him. Don't despise what God has given to you. If you despise what God has given to you, when you look for mercy, mercy will not come to you. Have you read Proverbs 1-2? When wisdom comes to you, you despise wisdom. When you cry for wisdom, wisdom will not come to you. It will laugh. When you call out, to, when God calls out to you, you laugh at Him and you reject Him, and God speaks to you again and again, then when you cry out to Him, at that time, God says, He will not give ear to you. Esau sold his birthright so expensive, so valuable, he sold it for a meal. He gave himself over to appetite. Because of that what happened. After that, 
after he finished what he had to finish, after he satisfied his appetite, he wants the blessing. Well, you did what you had to do already, now you want the blessing too. It doesn't work that way. Don't think that, oh, I can go and I can fulfill the lust of the flesh and I can do whatever I want to do and then I can come to God and say, oh, Lord, forgive me. Bless my family. Bless my generation. Bless everything. Oh, bless me with this. By the way, fill me with the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, I want to do this. I want to be this for you. Are you kidding me? God is speaking to our hearts today. God is not mocked. Whatever a man will sow, that's what he will reap. Nothing more, nothing less. Esau reaped what he sowed what happened he sold his birthright after that he cried and cried and cried and cried did it come to him no it did not come to him for he was rejected for he found no place for repentance though he sought it diligently with tears in order for someone to repent in order for someone to enter into heaven They need to have the grace of God. But if someone frustrates the grace of God, then that grace of God will be removed from their lives. And after that, no matter how they try, that grace to repent will not be there. God is speaking to our hearts today. There's a stern warning that God is giving to our church. Don't play games with God. Don't play games with your soul. Don't play games with the call of God on your life. What will happen? You lose everything. You'll end up being a loser. How did Esau lost his birthright? Let's go to the book of Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter 25. And we're going to read from verse 29. Genesis chapter 25 from verse 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew. And Esau came in from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. What happened here? Esau is hungry. He went outside and he came was hungry. And he saw Jacob cooking. And he felt hungry and he said, I want some food. And now, when he is looking at that food, that food is enticing, it's appealing to his appetite, in his senses, in his body. Now, the more he smells, the more tired and more hungry he feels, and he feels like, I'm going to die if I don't eat this. He knows very well that he's not going to die. He's not going to die if he doesn't eat one meal. But he wanted that food. The smell of the food the lust for the food called him and what happened Satan looked for an opportune time through Jacob that was Satan speaking through him oh Esau I'll give this to you sell me your birthright 
Understand this. Sin will cost you. Every time you, you sin, every time, every single time, you sin every time you engage in sexual immorality, every time you engage in mental adultery or fornication, every time you engage in pornography, which is fornication and adultery, by the way, every time you engage in lying, thinking that you're clever and smart, every time you engage in anything that's sensual, anything that's devilish, that's of this world, Anytime you engage yourself in anything that's inappropriate, that is outside God's boundary. Anytime you engage yourself in gossip and slander, which is murder. Anytime you engage yourself with anything that is bitter, carrying the root of bitterness, it always carries a price tag with it. That means it will take something from you. You go to that, it will take something eternal from you. Remember, every time you go to Satan, he will rob something eternal from you. He will take a piece of your eternity from you. Ready to give that up? Are you ready to give that up? Are you ready to give up your eternity like foolish Esau did? Are you ready to give that up? Only fools will give up eternal life. Only fools will give up their birthright. He went for something temporary by trading something eternal. Are you like that? Think about it. Every time you sin presumptuously, you are selling something eternal that you will never get back, remember. And it will come to a place where you beg and plead, it's never going to happen. All the teachings you might have heard everywhere all your life saying that, Oh, He is merciful, plenteous in mercy, and you do thousand times and come here. That's not what my Bible says. He is plenteous in mercy. He is full of mercy. However, not to someone who comes and plays games with God Almighty. Not to someone who despises what God has given. If you despise the grace of God, His grace will be removed from your life. I want to repeat this. If you despise the grace of God, His grace will be removed from your life. That's what happened to Esau. He did it once. He despised the grace of God. But he despised it. He despised it. And God says over here, Be very careful. Don't think you can despise ten times and come the eleventh time. Don't despise the grace of God. Don't despise the blood of Jesus. Don't despise the covenant that you have with God Almighty. Don't despise the call of God. He despised everything that God had for Esau. Everything. And God already saw this, that He was going to do this. God is speaking to our hearts today. He's pulling Esau from the Old Testament into the book of Hebrews and he's speaking, don't be like Esau. What did he do? He despised the birthright that was given to him for a morsel of bread. He didn't say, well, birthright, I'm not going to give my birthright. He didn't say that. He didn't value that birthright. He ran after that food. How many believers are like that? I'm not going to trade Jesus for sin. I'm not going to give up my body for something unclean because there's a temple of God. Oh, there's a temple of God. That's how Joseph was. A real man of God. What a difference between Esau and Joseph. When Joseph said, I can't do that. Esau said, ah, who cares? I'll give this. I don't need that birthright anyway. Liar. Pretend it. Like if he doesn't eat that meal, he's going to die. 
I'm going to die anyway. Let me eat this. What happened? He despised the birthright. And when he wanted the blessing, even though he cried, he was not a partaker of what was given to him. So never say that, oh, I have God's call on my life. Oh, I have God's call on, oh, this was prophesied of me. Oh, God spoke a thousand things about this. God would have spoken ten thousand things. But if you despise what God has spoken, nothing will come to pass. On the contrary, you go downhill. That's what happened to Esau. Never take the grace of God for granted. Never frustrate the grace of God. The Lord says in Hebrews chapter 12, Be careful. Be like those who finish well. And don't be like those who fell away. And how did they fall away? They let bitterness come inside. They let immorality, lust, greed come inside. That's what happened to Esau. Fornicator. The fornication can be applied in every area. Whatever you lust for. Whether it's lust for power, lust for men, lust for women, lust for things, lust for clothing, lust for whatever it is. Name, lust for fame. Whatever it is. Don't be like Esau. Once it's over, it's over. You despise God. You despise the things of God. You despise the house of God. The grace of God to repent will be taken away from you. After that, it's over beyond that point. That's the place of no return. If you will never hear anywhere, you will hear this often priest in this church because this is serious business. This is regarding your soul. This is regarding your eternal life. This is regarding life and death. Eternal life and eternal death. May God speak to your hearts at this hour. The real fear of the Lord should be upon our church. Everyone who comes in should hear the pure, undiluted word of God. As it is in the scriptures. Need to set their lives right before the living God. So that... You don't lose what has been given to you. Esau forfeited what was his. Don't forfeit what is yours. We just heard, Pastor Deep, a little while ago, read how God predestines and how he justifies and how he glorifies. Oh, those are all positional, by the way. Those are all positional. That means God positionally, he does those things in the spiritual realm. But if you don't walk it out, You're a big fat zero in all those areas. You will never be glorified. You will never be justified. You will never be sanctified. You will never be anified. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, which is keeping your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. And walk by faith. Keep your affections on things above. Be heavenly minded. Not earthly minded. Be single-minded, not double-minded. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Strengthen your feeble knees and the hands that are drooping. Clear the path so that you can walk. If you don't do it, no one will. No one can't. Even God won't. Because that's your job to do. Let's close our eyes and look to the Lord.